Okay. The myth of Sisyphus episode is a go. Um, I am very excited for this episode. And this will actually be a series. And we're finally here. I've been talking about this the past few episodes. Uh, This will be a several part series in which I'll go through, analyze and explain Camus entire Nobel Prize winning essay, The Myth of Sisyphus. Now, what Camus deals with in The Myth of Sisyphus is this concept called the absurd. And the absurd is, well, what's this podcast called? It's called Into the Absurd, right? The absurd is a concept that I hold very dear to my heart. It is my foundational philosophy as a human being. And the myth of Sisyphus is what introduced me to the absurd, the absurd and the concept of the absurd. And the absurd, well, to describe the absurd, first off, think about what the word the absurd means itself. It means something that is bizarre, something that contradicts uh, what you would expect to see, right? It's absurd. It's crazy. It's insane. It's preposterous, right? And the absurd is best characterized and to Camus is explained with the contradiction that is created by our desire to find meaning in the universe, to find objective meaning, and our knowledge and awareness that there is no objective meaning, or at least if there is an objective meaning to the universe, we don't have access to it. And even if we did have access to it, we don't have the capacity to verify for certain that it truly is the meaning to existence. And this conflict between our desire for it and our inability to verify its existence is the absurd. And for Camus, his foundational philosophy is to embrace the absurd, is that the response to the absurd is to embrace it, or in his words, to rebel against it, which seem uh, counterintuitive, right? Those things seem to contradict one another. But rebelling against the absurd is precisely how you embrace it or how you embrace life itself. And so that's why I called my podcast Into the Absurd, because what it means to go into the absurd is to delve into that contradiction between our search for meaning and understanding in the world and the awareness that it's impossible to find it. So... We 
we're going into this world looking for something that we know we can't find, but we're doing it anyways. And that's our rebellion. That's a rebellion against the meaninglessness is to find meaning in the pointlessness of it, to find meaning in its absurdity, right? That is what it means to go into the absurd. That's what it means to rebel against the absurd. So the myth of Sisyphus was published in its original French, Les Mythes de Sisyphe, in 1942, which is the same year that The Stranger, another novel by Albert Camus, was published. And interestingly enough, if you read both of them, or if you uh, listen to both my Stranger series and this Myth of Sisyphus series, you'll notice that there are a lot of similarities between the two books, which, of course, are published in the same year. And uh, the word choice and phrases are very similar. The Stranger in Albert Camus' The Stranger acts just as Camus describes the absurd man who acts in the myth of Sisyphus. And what's so interesting about it is that Camus, being so obsessed with life, meaning, and death, he actually, he died unexpectedly in a car crash in 1960. So this guy writing about, you know, death, the meaning of life, the stranger, the absurd man, he himself dies absurdly. And he's, uh, he's buried in the same town where him and his family lived in in Algiers. And that's that's tragic, but so fitting that he died in that way, in a car crash, an accidental car crash. And we can only hope that maybe he too was an absurd man when he lived. But he certainly wrote about him. So I do really want to give my respect to Camus and just say that I am deeply grateful that he wrote The Stranger and deeply, deeply grateful that he wrote The Myth of Sisyphus and that he brought me into the world of philosophy. The Myth of Sisyphus examines the question of whether or not life is worth living in the face of the absurd. Camus then follows up on this argument that not only is life worth living in the face of the absurd, but life is better when one confronts and embraces the absurd or rebels against it. After this, Camus encapsulates the ideas of his essay within a retelling of the ancient Greek myth about a king named Sisyphus. In the myth, Sisyphus is condemned by Zeus to push a boulder to the top of a mountain only for it to roll back down over and over and over again for the rest of eternity. And Camus' essay contains four parts. An absurd reasoning, the absurd man, absurd creation, and finally, the myth of Sisyphus, the title part. 
I'll be splitting this into five to nine parts over the next couple months. Uh, and I'll be ending off with an interview with Jamal Lixit, who's been on the podcast twice so far. He was uh, the philosophy professor who introduced the myth of Sisyphus to me uh, my, my freshman year of college. We'll be kind of going over everything uh, and having a discussion on everything that that I'll be going through the next few weeks. So, and we'll be starting with section one of an absurd reasoning, which contains four sections, absurdity and suicide, which is what we're starting with, absurd walls, philosophical suicide, and absurd freedom. And I highly recommend reading the essay prior to listening to this podcast. But if you want to follow along, I will post a link to a PDF in the description. Page numbers that I reference, however, are from the 2018 Second Vintage International Edition, which if you're watching on YouTube, I'm showing to you right now. It looks like this. It's kind of this black and white edition. Maybe I'll post a link to the Amazon so you can buy it if you want. I know supporting Amazon, supporting Amazon, but you know what? Amazon, Amazon helps out a lot of self-published authors, including myself, which is a great segue. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, just go check out my novel, The Man Who Killed God, along with our selection of merch at the link in the description or the links in the description. Um, the the Man Who Killed God, which I self-published on Amazon, both as a print copy and an ebook, is about a young man who travels to hell to slay the gods and save everything he ever loved. It is essentially about false idolatry and how we worship fear and greed, lust, and all these things instead of, well, love, right? So anyhow, let's move on to the podcast. Let's get, let's get right into it. Five seconds to submergence. Submergence deep into absurd. Part one, an absurd reasoning. Section one, absurdity and suicide. Quote, there is but one truly serious philosophical problem, and that is suicide. Judging whether life is or is not worth living amounts to answering the fundamental question of philosophy. All the rest, whether or not the world has three dimensions, whether the mind has nine or twelve categories, comes afterwards. End quote. So, as many of you know, philosophy comes from two Greek words. Philo, which means love and sophos, which means wisdom. Put them together, philosophy means the love of wisdom. Now, I think what Camus is trying to express here is that 
how could you love wisdom if you don't first and foremost love living or at least at, at the very least find living worth the trouble find living worth living right this is why Camus claims that the question as to whether life is or is not worth living is the fundamental question of philosophy. Everything else comes afterwards. And when it really comes down to it, aren't all questions a philosophical question? Aren't all questions a question of philosophy? Obviously, you know, like, what are you doing tomorrow? It's not a philosophical question, but all why questions. Why does that do that? Why is this like this? Why does my mind or why does my life mean this? Or like, what does my mind mean? Right. All these broader questions, all these questions of science, of psychology, of uh, mathematics. These are philosophical questions at the end of the day. Because all questions that seek wisdom are philosophical in nature. And uh, all questions that you're passionate about, right? All questions that you love to ask. These are questions of wisdom. And so right off the bat, Camus is telling us what his essay is going to be dealing with. Namely, the meaning and value of one's life. And whether or not life is or is not worth living. And if life is worth living, why? And what is that why for you? And what is the value of that why? How does that why make your life better or worse? He follows this quote by giving an example of Galileo. That is, quote, Galileo, who held the scientific truth of great importance, abjured it with the greatest ease as soon as it endangered his life. In a certain sense, he did right. That is, people are not willing to die for things that, more or less, don't give them a reason to live. It is instead the case that, quote, I see many people die because they judge that life is not worth living. I see others, paradoxically, getting killed for the ideas or illusions that give them a reason for living. What is called a reason for living is also an excellent reason for dying. I therefore conclude that the meaning of life is the most urgent of questions. So basically his claim here is that the meaning of life is the most urgent question because if someone feels that their life is not worth living, they may choose to die. And alternatively, people will likewise choose to die in order to protect and preserve those things that give them a reason to live. So it's kind of a two-pronged thing here right your people will choose to die if they don't think life is worth living but also they will choose to die if the things that make their life worth living are in danger and they'll die for those things right so it kind of it, it kind of defies logic in a way um but it makes sense because, I mean, the point that Camus is trying to make here is that this is a very important question. Like people die over this question of whether life is or is not worth living, right? They die over the question of 
of whether life has meaning, they die over these things, right? And, and to clarify, Camus points out that he is not interested in tackling suicide on a societal scale, but rather on a personal level. Is life worth living to you, right? Is life worth living to you? On page five, Camus writes, quote, killing yourself amounts to confessing. It is confessing that life is too much for you or that you do not understand it. And this understanding is, uh, is important here. Quote, dying voluntarily implies that you have recognized, even instinctively, the ridiculous character of that habit, the absence of any profound reason for living, the insane character of that daily agitation, and the uselessness of suffering. This is interesting because he's claiming quite a few things here. Right. Um, one, the suicidal act shows us that life is either too much for the individual or the individual simply doesn't understand the point of it. So there's, there's, it's too much. It's too much for them. Like they can't bear it. It's, uh, it's too much suffering. Or they just, they don't understand, like, well, what's the point of it? They, they don't get it. Like, why why am I living? What's the point of living? What's the point of going on? Right? Two, suicide likewise implies that the individual has recognized not only the ridiculous nature of life, right? Life is ridiculous. But also that life itself is a habit. That is part of the reason why people choose to live is simply out of habit. Life as a habit is an important terminology because Camus is showing that people do not really choose to live. And in fact, one only chooses to live once they have contemplated suicide. Right? Because because before you contemplate suicide, you're kind of just living out of habit. You're just living because, you know, everyone else is living. It's coded into my DNA to live. Uh, my friends and family encourage me to live. There's no one questioning whether or not I should or shouldn't live. There's nothing really to make me question living. I'm living out of habit. I'm living just because I'm living. But once you question suicide, once you question the sanctity of life, the decision to live, that is when you choose to live. That is when you're not in the habit of living because you're choosing to live. But it's only when you question the meaning of life and the validity of life in which you are confronted with the meaning, right? That, that sounds kind of like a apology, but that it's you're living out of habit until you recognize that it's a habit until you recognize that you actually have a choice to live or not, right? And three, he also says here that this habit of living is ridiculous, and it is seemingly ridiculous precisely because there isn't any profound reason or purpose for it. And for those of us who find life agitating, and such agitation as pointless, life itself starts to likewise seem pointless okay so quote 
A world that can be explained even with bad reasons is a familiar world. But on the other hand, in a universe suddenly divested of illusions and lights, man feels an alien, a stranger. His exile is without remedy since he is deprived of the memory of a lost home or the hope of a promised land. This divorce between man and his and this life, the actor and his setting, is properly the feeling of absurdity. So that's important there, right? Uh, it's uh, the divorce between man and this life, the actor and his setting. It's properly the feeling of absurdity. So if you've read The Stranger, The Stranger is basically the uh, idolized version of what the absurd man is. The person who is totally estranged from the world. Uh, they've they've recognized the absurdity of existence. And with that recognition, they have separated themselves from reality. Right? They are a stranger to everyone and everything because it's all absurd because we're all going to die, but yet we're still looking, we're still looking for meaning in this world where we're going to die. That's meaningless world. Yada, yada, yada. Right. So he, he continues his quote, all healthy men having thought of their own suicide, it can be seen without further explanation, that there is a direct connection between this feeling and the longing for death and hope. So he's essentially saying that our reasons for living are an illusion. Why? Well, why? Why is the why? When we ask if life is worth living, we may get an answer. And to this answer, we can play the why game. Why is it worth living? They'll give us another answer. Why? They'll give us another answer. And this can go on so so on and so forth until the end of time, right? You can keep playing the why game forever. And if the why game can go on forever, then this means there is no real final answer to the question as to, quote unquote, why life is worth living. So once we are encountered by the end of our ability to reason the worth of life, we are immediately estranged from this world. The world becomes something outside of us that we are totally disconnected from. Because if there isn't a real profound reason for us to be alive, then that means we're kind of just here. And we're here out of our own choice to be here. That is, we are alone in our decision to exist on this planet. And so we are stuck on Earth feeling alone, isolated, and like a stranger. So when we move on to page eight, we return to the concept of life being a habit in that we get into the habit of living before we get into the habit of thinking. And this makes perfect logical sense. As human beings... Uh, we're the only animals that can think, right? Everything else just lives. Everything else is in the habit of living. So naturally, we learn to live prior to learning to think. So 
this is where we run into an important theme of the essay, and that is hope. When life feels meaningless and pointless or simply miserable, many people cling onto some kind of hope that keeps them going. Oh, this next weekend's going to be good. Just got, just got to get through to the weekend. Oh, I just got to get through to my trip to Hawaii. Oh, I just got to get through to my trip to, I don't know, Norway. I just got to get through to having drinks with my friend. Oh, I just got to get through to getting home to my wife and kids. Oh, I just got to get through to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, playing video games, smoking weed, drinking alcohol, whatever your future event is, right? In Camus' view, hope is how one escapes the need to think about whether or not life is or is not worth living. One decides to live out of the hope of a better life in the future. An afterlife paradise, or simply that their choice to live will serve a greater purpose. That is, hope is, quote, trickery of those who live not for life itself, but for some great idea that will transcend it, refine it, give it a meaning, and betray it. Thus, everything contributes to spreading confusion, end quote. The word choice of betray is important here. The betrayal of life is an important theme in many of Nietzsche's works. And obviously, having mentioned Nietzsche in the very first paragraph of this essay, Camus was heavily influenced by him. What he's saying here is that often we give our lives meaning with ideas that betray the very essence of life itself. For instance, as an extreme example, if one is living purely to go to heaven, then this consequently means that their purpose in life is to die. That is, one lives for the negation of living. And this is a betrayal. This is a betrayal of life, because the point of life is to live, right? That's, you live to live. Now, heaven is obviously an extreme example, as I said. And to be fair, many people live because... Not because they want to go to heaven, but because of an idea they have in their head of some point in the future in which things are finally going well for them. In a sense, they live for a heaven in reality. Right? They live for a reality heaven. They live for the future. But the future, which we, we, we kind of discussed on the, the Severance episode, actually, it, it does not exist. You cannot experience the future. You can only experience now. And because you can only experience now, you're practically living for something that you will never experience. You'll never experience the future, right? You will never experience that which you cannot experience. And you can't experience the future. And so living for the future, living for an experience that you cannot experience yourself, is more or less the same as living to die. And hence, the betrayal and the trickery. So Mew continues with, quote, Hitherto, and it has not been wasted effort, people have played on words and pretended to believe that refusing to grant a meaning to life necessarily leads to declaring 
that it is not worth living. In truth, there is no necessary common measure between these two judgments. One merely has to refuse to be misled by the confusion, divorces, and inconsistencies previously pointed out. One must brush everything aside and go straight to the real problem. One kills oneself because life is not worth living. That is certainly a truth, yet an unfruitful one, because it is a truism. But does that insult to existence, that flat denial in which it is plunged, come from the fact that it has no meaning? Does its absurdity require one to escape it through hope or suicide? This is what must be clarified, hunted down, and elucidated, while brushing aside all the rest. Does the absurd dictate death? End quote. So when I was in high school, I told this girl sitting next to me that I did not believe in God. I don't know how the conversation came to be, but I, I told her that. And when you live in North Idaho and you say that you don't believe in God, um, it's very shocking to people. It's very, very shocking. Um, even in 2014, right? Uh, it's very, very shocking. You are instantly like this rebellious, like strange figure that like, what? Like that's, that's preposterous. Right. So she basically freaked out and she told me that there must be no point in me living if there isn't a God or more, more so like she asked, how, how can you live without the belief in God? For, for me, for me, God gives my life a purpose, a point, a meaning, right? A reason to exist. So being someone who very much enjoyed being alive, I was offended by this. Why would life not be worth living without the belief in God? It didn't really make sense to me because I was still alive. I still wanted to live, but I didn't believe in God. And she was confused why I wanted to live if I didn't believe in God. But I had a lot of reasons to live. Life was good. I liked my life, right? But to her belief, God granted life its meaning and purpose. God granted life a reason to live. In her opinion, without a higher power to grant us meaning, life was not worth living. And uh, in my view, I've met a lot of Christians that have a lot of more broader perspective on this. There's a lot more reasons to live than God, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, this was in high school, and I think he was just in shock for me saying I didn't believe in God. So um, it was difficult for her to comprehend that. And uh, because, I mean, if you really just thought about it for a second, you know, it, it's not true because humans are the only beings on Earth who have the capacity to believe in God. And yet there are millions of other living things who go on living just fine without this belief. Right. But of course, this is simplifying things. Right. What she is really saying here is two things. One, having meaning in our lives is the only thing that makes life worth living for those who have the capacity to have meaning, right, i.e. humans. And two, God is the only thing that can give meaning to one's life. 
if you have the capacity for meaning this, right? If you're a human. Camus, on the other hand, is telling us that having no meaning does not imply that one will kill themselves. Having no meaning does not imply that life is not worth living. The only thing that implies one will kill themselves is their final judgment that life is not worth living. That is, meaninglessness does not imply suicide. And so what Camus is trying to answer in his essay is whether the discovery of meaninglessness and the consequential healing of absurdity this brings can only be dealt with through either hope or suicide. And of course, Camus claims neither. Camus instead claims that it's dealt with by embracing the absurd, by being a rebel against the absurd. We'll leave it there for now. I'll be going on a vacation, believe it or not. But I'm, believe it or not, looking forward to. But I'm not living for that vacation. I'm living for now. And on the plane ride, I will begin working on episode number two, which I will record on Saturday and publish on Sunday. These episodes will come out every Sunday the next few weeks so stay tuned and i know that we're talking about suicide which is a very sensitive topic and if you do actually feel like life might not be worth living because it's meaningless or whatever um read the rest of the book that that's a, that's my first advice read the rest of the book like in one night, just read it all right now. Okay. And if you still feel like life is meaningless and that you no longer want to live life, uh, I just want you to know that you are loved. Like, hell, I love you. I love you. And if you're struggling with anything, reach out to your friends. Reach out to your family. I know it's hard. Reach out to a random Redditor. Reach out to whoever you can and just express your feelings and tell them what you're dealing with right now. Because I'm going to tell you right now that there's... that Forget about life not having a point. Yeah, there is no point. But who, who cares? Because life has a lot of things to offer you a lot of things to offer you. And I don't want to be like Ferris Bueller, but you know, life goes, life moves fast. If you don't stop and take a look around once in a while, you might miss it. Right. And if you kind of slow your uh, perspective down a little bit and look around, you can see that there's so many awesome things in life. I mean, even the experience of suffering is a little awesome from time to time, but at least in retrospect, normally. But it, it, if you're going through it and you need help, just reach out to anyone you can. You can reach out to me if you want. 
add a into dot the dot absurd dot podcast at gmail.com and of course there's the suicide hotline that you can call you can look that up um but yeah the i mean we're, we're tackling whether or not life is or is not worth living right that that's what we're tackling i'm just gonna tell you right now it is it is worth living but you're gonna have to figure that out on your own right so anyhow um i love you guys and stay safe be calm keep thinking keep diving into the absurd and please go ahead and read this essay it's really good i'll post a link in the description so we'll see you next time for uh absurd walls which is section two of an absurd reasoning peace out